Good morning. Good morning. I <laughs> thought you were going to continue to sing a song as uh, you greeted me and the world out there. <laughs> but maybe next time. Um, way to bring this calming energy to my enthusiasm. <laughs> this is fitting for the conversation we're going to have. <laughs> Uh, I think so as well. You know, set set the stage to talk about feelings, enthusiasm. You know, is mm-hmm. is one way that people do express their feelings. Hmm. Um. So I have a story that I thought about pretty quickly when you suggested we talk about this. Hmm. I have many stories that came to mind, but one that I thought might be relatable, uh, was a few years ago, this was pre pandemic. This was sometime in 2019. I started seeing a new therapist, this sweet, precious woman named Charlotte. And I went into her office and I was like, I am exceedingly happy. My life is amazing. I truly could ask for nothing more. And for some unknown reason, if someone like texts me to hang out or asks the most basic request of me, I have a panic attack and basically melt down and can't breathe. And she was like, oh, I wonder what's going on here. And that began a two and a half year process of me learning to access my own needs first admit them to myself whatever they were it could have been like what I want for dinner mm-hmm. and then eventually begin to share those with other people and um, allow myself to just feel the full reins of emotions and find out that I can be okay and mm-hmm. the panic attacks it turned out were me not being in touch with my needs doing what everybody else wanted me to do lacking the boundaries that would come with knowing what my limits were and um, basically kind of combusting when, because like there was this discrepancy between what I needed and what I thought I needed and what I was living into. So I think that's something that maybe that was a little extreme, but I think that's a relatable experience to some degree for people with backgrounds like ours with some kind of trauma or and living in some kind of situation where we are feeling responsible for other people's needs to the extent that we suppress our own to try mm-hmm. to give them what they want and need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, relatable. Uh, <laughs> period. <laughs> That's my reflection. Um, kidding. Kidding. Uh, yeah. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this be- is because beyond this sort of phenomena being true for the both of us, I actually think this is true across the board um, for anybody based on so- different social locations. Mm. Um, and I do think quite a few people do get socialized um, to be... I guess we could call them caretakers or caregivers. Mm. Mm -hmm. And these are the people I think that are the most susceptible Mm -hmm. to um, being explicitly and implicitly asked Mm 
to uh, suppress their emotions um, or, or their needs. I'm going to go ahead and separate those as two different things. Um, and then eventually to lose track mm-hmm. uh, of their emotions or to lose track of their needs. And it's interesting because I think there are two big and pol- polarized differences to suppressing and losing track of your emotions. And one of them is to become an actually very emotionally explosive person. Mm-hmm. So suppressing and losing track of your emotions doesn't just mean you don't have any. Um, it, it can mean that you have a lot of them and they just come out sideways <laughs> frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other response is, is more of what I think you've described and s- something that I resonate with as well. And to suppress and to lose track means uh, truly that <laughs> they, they go into a void somewhere and then through a therapeutic journey, we start to spend our time having to find them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to kind of go back to this very primal, almost um, like early developmental sort of stage where you're saying, I feel mad. <laughs> what, what I'm experiencing right now is sad. Yeah. What, I have right now is happy. Like just, you know, you look at the, uh, a feelings wheel, for example. I was just about to bring it yes. up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you, you, the reason that tool was invented was for people like us mm-hmm. who could not <laughs> locate what they were actually feeling. Um, and I think that, yes, this is, Again, like you said, very common uh, for survivors of, of different types of trauma. Um, but it's also just common for people um, who are a part of any, I think, marginalized group. Um, and frankly, there's a, a version of this that happens even for white, you know, cishet men as well. Like there mm-hmm. is uh, explicit and implicit pressure uh, for for them to s- suppress their emotions as well. And so I would say mm-hmm. broadly, um, there is a way society rewards this idea of quote unquote control mm-hmm. or mastery, uh, of one's emotions. Uh, so we're all mm-hmm. in different ways facing some sort of uphill climb here. <laughs> Indeed. I remember just to sort of like tap into, okay, so first of all, this is very much a journey um, on which I am still very much on. And I I do feel like I've learned a lot around this and have grown a lot around this. And also I'm, I'm not speaking of this like, oh, back when I struggled with that, mm-hmm. even though I'm going to reference times that were more extreme versions of this. And even... I've talked about before publicly uh, my exp- my sort of encounters with self-harm when I was younger and in conversion therapy. And I think that is an extreme way of acting out when you are completely shut down mm-hmm. and you feel so overwhelmed and so much pain and anxiety and 
can't even begin to access it. Mm-hmm. Self-harm is a way of expressing that pain outwardly and among many other things. And so um, there's been a – I'm on a, tra- I'm a positive trajectory around this, but we started at a very low point. So there weren't many ways but up to go. Um, I remember when my first – when I started my first round of, of normal therapy, and I say normal therapy because to differentiate from reparative therapy, conversion <laughs> therapy – um, but I started seeing a, a real actual licensed therapist who had ethical practices around when I was like 25 years old. And this was the biggest thing we were dealing with was boundaries and also getting in touch with my feelings. And I had a real huge, my huge fear was that if I began to get in touch with my emotions and express them, that I would be, it would be completely, it would overtake me. Mm-hmm. I would be like drowning in a whole entire ocean of emotion that I would start crying and literally never stop and never be able to control it. And it was just this like fear of like the dam breaking. Mm-hmm. Have you ever experienced anything like that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes and no. Um, I would say I have uh bear witness to the dam breaking um, with friends and loved ones. And I, I've, I've seen in real time um, a person work through that fear and to let themselves go, to let, uh, let the, <laughs> the dam break. Um, and I think I'm, of my side of it, I, I don't necessarily have a fear of letting myself go. I think that my journey is so, uh, long and winding that it's been less of like, oh, I'm scared to go there and more of I don't even know where to start. Like, where mm-hmm. where is step one? Where is, um, where does this this path begin? Mm-hmm. So that's that's where I what felt. That's where I was when I went to see the therapist that I told her I was exceedingly happy <laughs> and just having absolute panic attacks. And a practice she had me start doing that was really helpful. I'm going to just say this. It's a little embarrassing, but it's a helpful tool for a lot of different people. Are you familiar with the artist way? Uh, perhaps, maybe not by name, but tell me about it. It's kind of like a devo- – it feels kind of like a devotional, but it's for artists and creatives to help them tap into – that inner light and sort of get the creative juices going. And there's a practice that the author recommends, which is once a week to take yourself on a date. And it's sort of like the artist date. And it's like, what would you do if you, what do you, it it gives you the opportunity to ask yourself, like, what do I most want to do? Like Mm -hmm. I'm taking me on a date. What is just pleasure for me? What is just doting on myself? 
Mm-hmm. And it's really an interesting practice. Like it's one thing to be like, oh, I know I like to do these activities, but it's really – it was really helpful for me to be like, oh, okay, like here are – when I'm able to speak over myself, like, what do I most want to do? Here are these little things that I never even really think about mm-hmm. that I'm just going to go do for an afternoon. It's going to feel like wasting time to point back to our last conversation. And it's going to feel like <laughs> dilly dallying. <laughs> and also I'm going to feel pleasure and I'm going mm-hmm. to feel myself tapping into some deeper needs that I don't typically express in a given day. That was one place to start. Yeah. How did that go for you? Mm. Great. <laughs> um, and more was... specifically, were you able to just readily identify off the bat, I know exactly what I want to do? Or did you it know, take time? I was. And at that point, I was in uh, a relationship. And I it also help me tap into other things that made me realize like I needed more space for myself. I needed more individuality. I needed more of my own time and quiet. And it started getting me in touch with things that I was missing in my overall life. Like just that one little practice was like, Oh, here are these other things. And it, it helped me start like in doing that once a week, it helped me to start realize what I wanted on a given day when my MO would have been, I don't know, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wait, no, here's what I want to do. And I know that conflicts with what you might want to do. And that then starts to open up a lot of other conversations um, that grow from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, very helpful. And that's, <laughs> I do want to spend most of our time um, talking through other practices that have supported uh, us identifying uh, needs, desires, feelings, and so forth. But I am uh, really (laughs) kind of taken by this idea of uh, what you just shared, the, I don't know, what do you want to do sort of disposition. Mm -hmm. Um, Because something I feel like I have discovered over the years is that disposition um, is a a way to make oneself um, likable. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a way to make oneself um, more specifically companionable. Mm-hmm. If you can be a person or become a person who is quote unquote uh, easygoing, um, able to uh, flow uh, with others, it creates a situation where there's less social uh, duress, you know, mm-hmm. less um, anxiety, less stress. Uh, to be amendable in that way, um, I, I think in most cases leads people uh, to a kind of easier time socially. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
in the past, I used to look at this quality about myself and think like, oh, this is something I like about me mm-hmm. that like <laughs> I have such a low bar <laughs> for <laughs> Uh, what it means, you know, to be treated and to uh, to be low maintenance. So that's mm-hmm. another phrase I would use. Um, oh, yeah. To have um, to not be needy mm-hmm. um, is it's probably another phrase I would use as well. And at this point in my life, it's not that I'm. I, I, one, I'm trying to move away altogether from judging. Um, mm-hmm. that sort of disposition, but, mm-hmm. um, a way I have started to see it differently, at least to balance, um, the way I've looked at mm-hmm. it in the past is that it, it's, that is something that has come from a very early age of recognizing that the, the less space I took up, um, the, the less the easier it would be for me to um, make friends, to feel like I belonged, mm-hmm. to feel like I was a part of the group, to feel like people wanted to be around me. And so um, it's, that's where I know it started, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have very early childhood memories of recognizing like, oh, like if I just go with the flow, um, I'll have an easier time here. Mm-hmm. You know, things will work out better for me. And that looks a million different ways throughout life. But um, the danger of that is you really do lose track, you know, you of do. what is basic for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the long run, actually does, you know, people ask me sometimes this question, like, if you could tell your younger self anything, <laughs> like, what would it be? And I, I don't know why they say it in that voice, but every time that's how it comes out. Um, but I think along these lines, it would be something to the effect of like you forcing yourself, you know, to have, to not have needs, Mm. to not have desires, you know, to, um, not have big feelings, you know, about what's going on right now. Doesn't, not only does it not serve you, it actually doesn't serve anybody around you. It doesn't. Yeah. Like that, that dishonesty over time. In fact, I, I am experiencing right now actually hurts other people. Yeah. And it leads to resentment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, and we think we're doing a kindness. Like once we are aware of needs, uh, the next step is communicating those, especially when they conflict with other people's needs, Ooh. which is <laughs> Talk about intolerable. Yeah. <laughs> And our, cause our whole, our initial goal from the beginning was to avoid anxiety mm-hmm. and we actually weren't avoiding anxiety. We were just absorbing it into our bodies. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> so first we acknowledge it to ourselves and we feel that anxiety. And then when we get to the place of communicating with that, someone that was someone else, that anxiety is externalized and we feel their anxiety, which we likely absorb as well. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard. We have to really be uh, honest with ourselves about what, how this is serving us and also how it's hurting us. And we have to make brave decisions out of love for the people around us and ourselves. We have to just go ahead and be like, this takes courage. This is very difficult to just say this basic need that conflicts mm-hmm. with somebody else's need in my life because conflict feels unsafe to me and 
I have spent my whole life trying to avoid it because I want mm-hmm. to be loved. And this feels like the opposite of love. And so mm-hmm. I think we find once we can start saying those things, there is more conflict, but we are also able to be seen for the whole of who we are. And we give information to other people so that they can make, they, they don't know they don't know what they're doing might be upsetting us or um, annoying us or grating at us. And once we say that, they could be like, oh, okay, I'll do this instead. And it's like, it it's really doesn't have to lead to the sort of erosion or corrosion right. and conflict that we fear it might create. It just gives us the opportunity to know one another better and grow in intimacy hmm. Yeah. And, you know, oh gosh. Another thing this is making me think of is our uh, desire to suppress desire uh, in some situations, I think, is a form of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something that uh, I, I guess I'll speak for myself. Um, <laughs> it's something that I will do to attempt um, to influence, inform, or even, like, govern somebody else's emotions, right? So I will hide my emotions with the uh, assumption that that will lead to a better emotional outcome um, for others, the person, you know, that I'm in relationship with. And that is not how it works. Like that is is what I've done for a very long time. But, uh, you know, one of the consequences of that is um, exactly what you've described, this sort of like internal combustion, you know, like nothing, nothing's a problem, nothing's a problem. And then all of a sudden it is a very extreme emergency. (laughs) Yeah. I have a history of that. Um, And I think what we're doing when, when we make that decision preemptively for them, that they aren't going to cope well with this thing we have to share. Um, And this is, I think I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. Like this is just across the board, like whether this is at work to the extent that that's appropriate or in friendships or romantic relationships with family, oof, with family of origins. It, it's usually started there, so it's mm-hmm. going to be most difficult there. But I think when we don't give people, when we make that assumption about people that like they can't handle hearing this or they're not going to respond well, we are sort of robbing them of the opportunity to surprise us mm-hmm. or the opportunity to do the work around their own emotions. And ultimately, I think this is about learning, like, we are not responsible for other people's emotions and wellness. And, like, we can be – I think it's very kind. Like, when we state our needs and when they conflict with somebody else's, we have the opportunity to to talk about what it might look like for both of us to – to be able to make – we might choose to make sacrifices or choose to – um, sort of meet in the middle and that's okay. We are then doing that out of a place of like honesty and wholeness, but it's different than just like foregoing that whole, um, process of knowing and being known and giving each other the opportunity to take up the space that they do take up, whether it's stated or not. 
and do that in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, I, I would say, um, just to be frank, this is my most significant personal growth edge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is why it's great to talk about it because mm-hmm. it's so easy uh, for me. My, my default is to this day um, to slip back into mm-hmm. a place where I am uh, denying, suppressing, repressing, shoving down uh, my, both my emotions and also my needs, but especially my desires. Like these are three things that feel um, just out of reach mm-hmm. for me. I, and th- this is not always true. And so this is why I want to kind of get into more uh, of the different practices or different ways uh, you've, you've found that for you personally, uh, you can access those things because that to me um, <laughs> is, is where hope lives um, mm-hmm. both for myself, but I think for other people who this is true for. And I, I really appreciate you up front saying like, <laughs> this isn't, this is work in progress. You know, this mm-hmm. is not something that we fully solve, I think, maybe in our lifetime. But um, all the steps matter. All the steps count. And so I want to know some more things uh, that have helped you kind of get into um, you, what, what you really feel and what you really want and what you desire and... Um, and that sort of thing. So, um, I think part of it, talk about it. <laughs> well, I think, um, it, a big part of it is what you already mentioned, stepping away from judging ourselves. And that also extends to not judging other people. Like the less judgmental we are, the more we're able to recognize this is what is, this is what is true. This is important information. I wonder what's going on here. And having that sense of non-judgmental curiosity creates a space for us to be able to be more honest with ourselves and then extend that to other people. And I think like it's like any muscle. The more we practice that, um, the more we can grow into it. And I think it, I think one helpful thing is to start without – giving your, like giving ourselves, putting it on ourselves to have to communicate that or exert it. Like just a non-judgmental space within ourselves to tell the truth to ourselves is a life-changing radical act. Mm -hmm. And it does eventually lead to a lot of other, you know, consequential decisions. But first, just doing that within our own little space, I think is vital Mm -hmm. yeah i i was thinking about this recently because over the last couple years i've um kind of left not altogether certainly not i (laughs) but mostly in part left uh lgbtq nonprofit and ministry space um in one way or another um (laughs) Always pulled back into it, but um, I've been trying to make this migration <laughs> mm-hmm. into 
into film, you know, and mm-hmm. into TV and film, um, and specifically nonfiction. But I am also interested in narrative development as well. But um, we're just putting that out there to the universe. <laughs> If anyone wants to pick this up for a pilot. (laughs) Um, And and one of the reasons I I feel so drawn uh, to the uh, industry is because all of my life, film specifically, has been a medium that has helped me to access my Mm -hmm. emotions as a child, as a teenager, even... Even now, as an adult, there is nothing that really pulls out what I'm really hoping and feeling more than a very powerful film. Hmm. And so um, I just think, for me, um, making sure that I am watching what I want to watch, because I'm very much that person (laughs) who, what do you want to watch? Totally. What are what are you interested in? And then I can kind of like take from other people's desires and interests in, you know, TV and film programming um, something usually, but very infrequently am I saying, I let's watch this. Mm-hmm. I want to watch this. And if that is true, I will present a caveat of like, Here's why I want to watch this. You don't. You don't have to. You don't. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, if you want to watch something else, like you. You know. You can do that. <laughs> it's very much like a, a accommodating mm-hmm. others' interests first. But so, what I've had to do is make my own list. Essentially, mm-hmm. like this is what I want to watch <laughs> um, for me, mm-hmm. and I. I hate to say that that's as hard of a thing as it is for me, but it's true just to mm-hmm. assert that. And so then, you know, I will I, very recently, um, everything everywhere all at once mm. just watched it. I've been desperately wanting to watch that. Yes. And this is like the type of film that, uh, really pulls out of me, uh, big feelings mm. and, and it's not even necessarily that they're trying to do that because for me, it's not, it's not often dialogue driven because mm-hmm. for me, something that I am very incredibly responsive to emotionally in film is actually silence. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the space between words that something inside of me um, is, is provoked. And, and so here I am watching that film, and again, it's it's the look um, in the eyes, you know, between characters. It's how mm-hmm. their bodies are moving. It is the way um, that the overall story is progressing. These are the kinds of things that really uh, stir up the ocean inside of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, I even just like the, the the coloring, like the production design, all of these things are what kind of pull me alive and and that's something I know I have to be doing mm-hmm. is like exposing myself to that particular art I guess is <laughs> maybe the umbrella there but uh putting myself in the way of mm-hmm. art um is very 
helpful for me. Um, I not again, not just with my emotions, but my needs. Like I walk away from, you know, a film like that, and I feel more in touch uh, with what I want to do. You know, with my life, how mm-hmm. I want to spend my time, how like what. Um, what are the things, you know, that are going to lead me to feeling healthy and well? So mm-hmm. that's, a that's relatable. I felt that, uh, I feel that way about books. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think one key thing, like once we feel that once we're like, oh, wow, this has revealed something to me that I was not able to give language to. I think like that non-judgment is so important in those moments because Mm -hmm. I can think of reading various books or long reads where I would be like really, really resonating with something. And then I would be like, Oh no, 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 (laughs) no. This is not going to bode well. This is not something that you should be resonating with or feeling like you might want, because this is going to have ripple effects in your life that you don't want to deal with. And it's when we feel those things in those moments that we have to, I think we have to, to suspend that judgment and just say, no, this is really important information. And that doesn't mean that we're going to go blow up our lives and do whatever those things are. Uh, It just means that this is telling us something really important about who we are, what we want and need, how we thrive and the the best response we can possibly have is like, huh, wh- what's going on here, self? Mm-hmm. What is this doing for you? <laughs> and create a non-judgmental space for those those things to emerge. And then with all that information, we can then make choices about whether or not we want to share that with other people, whether or not we want to uh, explore that more, what, you know, we it only gives us more tools. It never is going to take away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about before we close out here was uh, the relationship between our bodies and experiencing need, emotion, and desire. Because I think that that is also something I have not described as one of my issues was to the extent that throughout my life, I was taught to shut down my body Mm -hmm. um, in different ways. That made it even harder for me to access these things that we've been talking about. And so something I have uh, discovered is, you know, as an adolescent, as a child and adolescent, sports Mm -hmm. uh, really helped me Mm -hmm. um, sort of mitigate, I think, all of the damages I was uh, enduring emotionally. and, you know, as an adult, that becomes harder, right, to find unless you are, for example, a professional athlete of some sort. Um, but for me now, um, it is uh, surfing, you know, it, mm. it is running, it is um, working out that also uh, supports my ability uh, to access my needs and desires and mm feelings um something about uh movement i think really helps to break up uh whatever the f- 
physiological consequences of repressing, you know, mm-hmm. my emotions are. So I, I'm wondering if that's also true for you or what, maybe that's, that's the next episode here, but. Yeah. I I think this is a teaser because first of all, yes, definitely. Um, I am, I have been for a long time, very into moving my body and it's been such a grace because it's given me a way to express things, feel those endorphins, process things, be in my body. And I think there's different kinds of working out. There are ways of trying to do it in a way that um, actually try to control your body mm-hmm. and ways of doing it that are being in your body and enjoying your body and expressing. And so I think like that's a an interesting distinction. And the other thing I'll say that's a big teaser is I think – Intimacy, like mm-hmm. sexual intimacy, physical intimacy with other people is, has the capacity to really heal us. And there are ways of engaging in that, that are, that sort of conceal and ways that reveal. And I think having that awareness, being conscious of it and processing that with other people, with mm-hmm. Um, being tuned into that within ourselves, processing that in therapy is also a really important part of healing in terms of desire and being in our bodies and seeing our bodies as ultimately good. Right. Which I would be remiss not to mention Rowan Williams' uh, The Body's Grace essay, which is really beautiful and really gets to that point. Yes. I just put that essay on a resource list because mm. I think it's timeless. And timeless. Yes. And I think that it is uh, cross-cultural as well, mm-hmm. um, which is an amazing thing, you know, for a white man to be able to produce, uh, especially decades ago, you know, mm-hmm. at, at this point. Um, yeah, that's... an. Uh, an occasion for joy to be to have a body to be having an experience that is an occasion for joy Mm -hmm. i think that is that's the thesis uh Mm -hmm. uh, of the essay but um yeah i i am eager to get more into that uh the next time you know we are chatting here well, that really teed us up. That <laughs> <laughs> really teed us up. <laughs> um, yeah, Miles, I I feel like this was the beginning of several different... I mean, it always feels that way. But this in particular, I feel like there's a lot more to dig into and several threads that we started down that I'm excited to continually revisit. And I'm also excited to think of some resources around this to maybe share in our next chat. Yeah, that could be helpful because I do think a lot of this is just about like there are actual practices and actual resources and like discoveries that can shine a light on all of a sudden and change the way we see and change the way we show up. And so mm-hmm. I want to think more about that, too. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be here with everyone uh, who uh, is listening and eventually listening. An absolute joy. I'm sure you heard Toby piping up. Um, chatty guy. Yeah, he's a chatty. He's an orange guy. That's just what, who they are. It's how they are. Um, okay, Miles, have a fantastic Friday. Thank and 
We will chat again soon. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.